This episode of the Unstoppable CEO podcast is sponsored by our referrable book program, where we'll create a great lead generating book for you. If you've always wanted to write a book for your business, but never managed to get it done, let us do it for you. To find out if this is a fit for you, schedule a quick 20 minute intro call with me at unstoppableceo.net. Click the book a call button. Now on to the episode. Welcome to another joint episode of the Unstoppable CEO Podcast and the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast. I am your host, Steve Gordon. I'm here today with my co-host on the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast, John Curry. John, welcome. Hello, Steve. Hello, folks. Looking forward to whatever comes out. (laughs) Yeah. So today, um, we've been brainstorming topics to to talk about, and uh, the one thing that uh, is kind of top of our list is uh, to talk about books. Um, and I think, uh, this is a, probably a good time to talk about it. We're wrapping up a book for you. Yes. Um, you'll, you'll be author, you'll be two-time author here in, uh, a few weeks. And, um, and you know, it's, it's interesting. We've done a lot of books over the last year for clients, John, and, um, it's always really interesting to see what happens when somebody gets their book published. And so I'm excited to talk about it because I think they can have a big impact on people's businesses. I know so. I have two books and the first one was published in 2009. I like to tell people it only took me 27 years to get that book done. (laughs) And I didn't work on it literally for 27 years, but the, the coaching and the teaching I did with seminars and client meetings, I created a lot of content. But I couldn't get I couldn't get myself to sit down and write the book. And finally, with a friend's help, we got it done. Mutual friend of ours, Marjorie, and we got it done. But it was a painful process. It took way too long. And then the last one, uh, we got it done what, about 60 days? About that. Because we sat down and agreed on what we wanted to cover, and you pulled it out of me, and, and practicing what we call who, not how, from our friend Dan Sullivan, uh, you became the who in that case. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, sixty days start to finish, but your involvement has really been just a matter of hours, uh, correct? In, in the whole thing, um, but I want to talk first about uh, why, as a business owner, you want to have a book. Um, you know, and I, um, when I first started this business ten years ago, John, one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to write a book, but I, I had a really hard time kind of, first of all, feeling like I was worthy to write a book, you know, like this, this was a new industry for me. I came from a different industry altogether and I had learned some things along the way that I had applied in that business and, and, uh, you know, felt like I knew a lot about it, but then there are, you know, all kinds of other people who have been out there and they were published authors and speakers and, you know, all of that on similar topics. So what gave me the right? And I think a lot of people have to overcome that at some point. They, they've got that worry in their mind of like, well, why, you know, what makes me the person that should write the book? Did you ever run across any of that as you were <clears throat> in those 27 years as you were <clears throat> developing your content? Absolutely. But let me tell you what happened with me. I, I got a good case of what I call competitive anger. We've had this conversation before. And one day I see a guy with a book, a colleague of mine. Northeast, I said, that guy is not qualified to carry my damn briefcase, but yet he's got a book. He got it done. That's when I said, enough is enough. And I came back and got help and got it done. 
But absolutely, because it comes, it comes, it really comes down to one word: self-esteem. So we feel like that we're not good enough, or if we put it out there, we're going to be measured against somebody else. But here's something I got real clear on. I'm so clear on it now that you, even you can't change my mind. I don't need to be a bestseller on the New York Times list. I want to be a bestseller from the standpoint of my audience. I had a guy asked me just yesterday, have you made a lot of money with your book? I'm talking about the first one. I said, quite a bit, actually. So he kept bugging me. He said, well, how much do you think you made? And I said, hmm, probably $3 million. He said, excuse me? You've earned $3 million from your book? I said, no. I've earned $3 million or more because of the book. And I said, now, if you count all the income since 2009, it's probably better. But because of people seeing me as being the secure retirement method guy, the secure retirement guy, not the risky retirement guy, because of the book. Well, and you're the guy that wrote the book. Correct. And given the choice, who do you want to work with? You want to work with the one that wrote the book or just the no-name person from down the street. But there's another, the flip side of that is, now it seems like everybody has a book. So now what happens is you think, well, is my book as good? Is my book worthy? doesn't matter. The fact is I have a book. Is it perfect? No. You and I just went through and did some revisions on this one, and then we have the new one sitting here. We'll talk about that if it's appropriate. Well, let's address that, because I hear that from people like everybody's got a book it's so easy to be you know and in fact now to call yourself an amazon bestseller um you know when when i got to that point you know because with unstoppable referrals we actually got to the n- number one business book for about a day and a half on amazon um nice. and you know now you call yourself an amazon <clears throat> bestseller and everybody knows well that maybe everybody doesn't know that but in marketing we all know you can game that system fairly easily now. So it doesn't have the luster. And then to, to get to Wall Street Journal, New York Times kind of bestseller status, that you game that system too, but there's an investment there of at least six figures. The last I heard was to, to get there, the campaign involved to do it was in the ballpark of $150,000 in terms of the marketing investment. You know, you're going to go hire a who that knows how to do that. But you know, there's a time and a place for that, but for the vast majority of business owners, you don't need any of that. Um, Seth Godin has this concept. He calls, you know, you, you want to be famous to the family. And so you want to think about what's the small little circle? What's, you said your audience, what's that audience or that family that you want to be famous to? And you only need to be famous that far. Well, let's address that real quick, just with the title of this book, the new one. Yeah. <clears throat> the Secure Retirement Method for members of the Florida retirement system. Now, anybody who picks up that book, they look at that and they go, okay, I'm a member of the Florida retirement system. Okay, so I'm sure we'll get into this more in a moment, but there's pros and cons of doing that. Okay. Why would you do that? You just excluded about 99.999% of the people that might work with you. That's correct. But what did I also do? You made everybody who you really want to work with go, holy cow, this is the only guy in the world for me. Right. And then anything that I do, postcards, phone calls, emails, newsletters, anything and everything that I do is going to make sure people know. I wrote the book mm-hmm. for members of the Florida Retirement System. Yep. And then when you read the introduction as to why, the story that I tell, they go, oh, my God, I found my guy. 
this is my guy. So we talked a little bit about <clears throat> the positioning that you get from the book, but uh, and that's I think one of the real values. the The other thing that I learned, over, you know, so I, I've now written five books, um, and I, I will be writing more because I, I just haven't I haven't found anything better. Not only from positioning, but it, it gives you a way to sort of plant a flag around an idea that you believe so, in. So let's go back to something you started off a while ago. You had all this knowledge inside you. Mm-hmm. So you were an authority, but you were not an author. Mm-hmm. And the word author is an authority. So if you have a certain amount of knowledge and skill, then you are at somewhat of a level, maybe not the master level, but you have some level of authority in that field. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you become an author? And even if you don't know it all, tell what you do know. Because there's a hell of a lot of people who don't know what you know. That's right. So maybe they'll maybe they'd like to have a beginning version and then when you feel better, do um another one or a second or a fifth one. Well, and and it's funny you, you say beginning version. What most people, I think, particularly those of us who are experts in what we do, and I mean, that's everybody listening. I mean, in what you do, you're an expert, you know, and the the fallacy is that your prospects need your need the depth of your expertise and they really don't. They need the, the simplification of your expertise. And that is, I think, where a book comes in really masterfully Um is it's a way for you to take what you know and I don't, dumb it down is not the right word. It's simplify and clarify it so that the layman, the person who's not the expert who is going to come to you for help can see that, okay, here's a person who understands my situation, my the problem that I'm facing or the opportunity that I want to go capture. And not only that, they have a system. They've thought through this enough. They've, in fact, thought through it so well that they've written a book describing their system or their method or their process for solving this particular problem that I face. And and so it's a way for you to take all of your knowledge and demonstrate and communicate to this layman that, hey, here's this guy gets it or this gal gets it. And, um, and so, you know, I think a lot of people make that mistake. In fact, I... I I have one client, when she listens to this, she'll know who she is. I love her to death. We've been working together for a long time. One of my favorite people in the world. And um, and she comes from a, a professional background. Very, She's got a, you know, a lot of education. And she said to me that, um, that she was concerned as, as she's been going sort of through the struggle of writing her book, that... Um, because it's targeted at, at other professionals, effectively kind of her peers, um, that, you know, it's not going to be, there's not going to be enough citations in it. There's not going to be enough research behind it. And I see people kind of making that mistake a lot of the time. In fact, I did too. You know, the first two books I wrote, which never got published because they ended up in the trash can, <laughs> they suffered from from that fear like, Oh, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't put enough in this. I don't have any original research. And you know what? I, I've kind of come to the point, John, of believing that nobody really cares about the research. You're expert enough. And what they really want is your unique take on it because they're buying you anyway. They're not buying the research. They're not buying. They're just assuming that you're qualified enough 
to do that. I will go farther and say this. <clears throat> Most people don't care about the research. They're looking for someone who's already done their own version of the research they can trust and rely on to help them get where they want to go. Uh, you, I'm going to give you credit for this. You wrote on the back of the book, your, your copy that you preferred to use was, the book you hold in your hand is a shortcut written specifically for members of the Florida retirement system. Now, if somebody sees the front of the book and they read the back of that, and then it continues in 60 to 90 minutes, you can read this book start to finish. And in that time, get a clear understanding of the key issues you face as you approach or enter retirement from the state of Florida. Now, that is real concise. It's like right in the bullseye of what we want to do. Now, in this, because of the work I do for a living, there has to be a lot of resources. There has to be a lot of citations and all that stuff to, to so that the compliance folks don't go crazy and think I invented something. But most people out there that are listening to this probably don't have that pressure. So, the, And the first book didn't have near as many uh, notes in it. It has some. <clears throat> but if you just sit down and pretend that you're sitting across the table like you and I are right now from someone and just spill your guts and tell your story, that's all the book should be. That's my opinion. I'm, I, I, will, I can honestly say I rarely use two words, never and always. You agree? I agree. I rarely use those two words. I can tell you right now, I'll be like Winston Churchill, I shall never, 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 never write a 1,000-page book. I might have 10 100-page books, but I'm not trying to create a classic or a bestseller. I want something that when you see it or if I give it to you or mail it to you, you're like, wow, you have hit me right between the eyes. You're my guy. Mm -hmm. That's all I want. Yeah, well, and I, I think there's a lot of power in that. Um, I think people are realizing more and more that that having the so a traditional sort of trade paperback book, a business book is going to be 200 to 300 pages, you know, sometimes a little shorter, sometimes a little longer, but it's going to be in that realm, uh, probably 30 to 80,000 words, um, which when I, when I wrote uh, Unstoppable Referrals, I got to tell you, the thinking about writing 30,000 plus words. And I think that thing ended up about 40 or so. Um, that was intimidating. That's a lot of words when you start off and you have a blank page in zero, but I, <clears throat> I digress. But what happens with those books is that authors have main points to make. And um, I actually learned this uh, from a guy. Um, I was in a Vistage group years ago, and a guy came in and talked about, gave a, a speech about how he, you know, consumes books. And it was part. Of, it wasn't his whole speech, but part of it. And he basically said, "I've got a shortcut. I read a book a day, a business book a day, and I, I read the intro, and I read the first couple pages and last couple pages of every chapter, and I read the conclusion." And then I look for any other references in the book to point me to the next thing to read. And he said, the reason that I do that is because what authors do to bulk up a book so that it is, it, it fits the mold of what should be sold, you know, the, what the publishers want, they put anecdotes in it. Mm -hmm. And the anecdotes don't, don't necessarily add a lot of value most of the time. They don't give you the principles that the author is trying to communicate. Yeah, they might illustrate it and sure that they, they, they could be beneficial, but if what you're really looking for are the principles, you don't need any of that. So what we've found is that when we strip all that stuff out, you end up with about an 80 to 100 page book, which somebody can read in about 45 minutes to hour, hour and a half. 
And you now have something that'll actually get read. And that's important. You know, not everyone will read the book. I've gotten clients from people who haven't read the book. I tell this story on webinars. Have I, ever, I don't know if I've ever told you this. So a client that I worked with several years ago um, had, had been given a copy of Unstoppable Referrals by a business colleague. Was this the guy who kept it on the nightstand? Yeah, he kept it, <laughs> kept, kept it on his nightstand. <clears throat> so you were in his bedroom. I was in his bedroom. Lord knows what that book witnessed. But for like two and a half years. And then he finally said, look, I, I've had your book. I got it as a gift. It's been sitting on my nightstand. It's covered in dust. I'm not going to open it. I don't want to open it. I just need the result of the book. And you're my guy. Um, you know, so you don't necessarily need them to read it, but mm-hmm. obviously it's, it's advantageous if they do, because a prospect that gets your book tells you one thing about them. It tells you that they've got a challenge around the topic, right? but mm-hmm. a prospect that reads the book and particularly reads it, highlights it, you know, puts tabs in. tabs in and all of that. That's a prospect right. who's got a serious, urgent problem. Well, when those come in the door and I look at the book, if they have the book in their hand and I see it's, the pages are dog-eared or it's highlighted or there's some little uh, there's little sticky notes in there, I go, mm, we're, we're about to do business. You know you are. That, because they're, they're, they, they're already convinced that you're the guy or they wouldn't have booked the appointment at that right. stage. Right. I also like it when they come in telling me stories. Uh, we had it happen, this is Friday, it's Tuesday. Guy comes in, he said, I love the story about your grandfather and your father working at DOT. He said, I know exactly where that building is. It's still standing, but it's now owned by a private company. I said, How'd you know about the building? He said, I go past that every time I go to Pensacola. He said, I had relatives who worked in that same building about the same time. I said, Well, I'll be darned. So instantly bonding. Yeah, instantly. Well, he actually bonded with you before that, and you probably hadn't met him before. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Because of the story and it hit a nerve. Yeah. And so, and, and that's some of the power of all of this is it, it, it allows you to take what I, I'm guessing you probably shared that story in one on one situations prior to you using it in your marketing. I did it, been sharing that story since, uh, let's see, I got out of the Air Force in 1974. So probably. Uh, probably since 72. And so, yeah. Even so, I was in the Air Force. So what we're talking about, folks, is John's got this sort of origin story and um, uh, and, and it sort of forms his why of, you know, why yeah. he does what he does. Well, when my dad retired in 1992, it really became a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he retired at 62 and did not get good advice. So that's when I really took it and polished it up. And so, wait a minute. My dad had this problem. My granddad had this problem. I've been solving these problems for other people, but they wouldn't let me help them. So that's when it became like a passion. Mm-hmm. Well, and and the point is, what you ultimately put in that first book were, were all of the things that you'd been telling people one-on-one. And so by putting it into the book... One-on-one and in seminars. Sure. And by putting it into the book, you immediately created leverage for yourself. You immediately allowed yourself to have that impact, actually to create relationship with people who could relate to that story without ever having met you and prime the pump for them to do business with you. Well, let's expand on that. Let's just suppose for just a moment that people are listening. You have a book. So I've got my first book in my hand here. If I mail this out unasked for to 100 people, I just mail it out with a handwritten note. 
Steve, I thought you might like to have a copy of my book. Hope you enjoy it. Now, a certain number of those people are going to take that book and go, it's hard to throw a book away for me. Some people may throw it in the trash can, but very few will. It's going to go on the desk. I'm going to put it on the bookcase behind me over here. They're going to put it over on that uh, credenza. They might put it over there on the shredder. They might throw it in the trash can and later come back, ah, I can't throw that away. Because we're taught to respect books. Mm-hmm. Right? It's taboo to throw a book away. Taboo. But some people will. Throw it away. No big deal. I don't like the guy I throw it away. But if you mail out 100 of these books, and now these little books are like 100 messengers out there in the community. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about a market to book yet. And, and But these are some of the things that, that I can tell you for a fact. When you do that, all of a sudden people say, oh, you, you've written a book? I didn't know you had a book. How long do you have a book? Well, if you look inside, I think that, I think it says I did that back in oh, 2009. Mm-hmm. Well, it, one of the really interesting <clears throat> things has happened. So we, in, in one of our programs, have worked with uh, a, a guy that's in your business. And, um, you know, and, and he, honestly, he struggled mightily. He, he was in not, not our Done For You program, but our, our guided program. So he was sort of doing some of the writing. And he, he struggled pretty mightily to get the writing done, um, you know, and just didn't have the budget to have us do it all for him. But, uh, but he finally got it done, got the book published and started sending it out to people and the excitement that it created and the relationships that allowed him to rekindle or open. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wow, you've got a book. Wow. This is really good. And so it's, it's just right away, immediately elevated him in, in people's minds. And you made a comment earlier, like everybody's got a book now and. There, because of Amazon, because it's gotten easy, there are a lot of people that have books, but not everybody has a book. You're right. So if you sit looking around in our community, I don't know how many people in there are in financial services, how many advisors there are here in Tallahassee. Do you know? I have no idea. It's got to be thousand, <clears throat> a couple thousand at least, right? I don't know how it is. I mean, if you, it's just got to be. You would think so in some form or another. Yeah, and so. I don't know because I tell my clients when you have the best, you don't care about the rest. Well, of course. <laughs> but well, let's say let's say there's a thousand. You're one of a thousand, right? Yeah. If there's one other person with a book in this town in your business, I'd be I'd be mildly surprised. I wouldn't be shocked. Mm-hmm. If there were ten, I'd fall out of my chair shocked. I, now that I agree with. Yeah, I made the comment about everybody has a book because you'll hear that said, and it's not accurate. Because, first of all, putting together a book, whether you do it yourself or have Steve do it, takes work. I mean, think in terms of how much work I sat down. When you and I sat down and work on the second book, I already had clear chapters in mind. I knew what I wanted to say. I knew what the problems were. And, folks, what we did is we took the issues and we turned those into a chapter, a standalone chapter on each one of those. So if someone looks at the table of contents it's going to strike a chord with them. Okay, these are all the things I've got to deal with. Well, let's talk about that. So you actually did more work than most of the people do when we help somebody put their book together because you're unique. You you already knew exactly what I, you want. I see that smirk on your face. I don't know if that unique means good or bad. Wow. <laughs> you know, some days one, some days the other. But, um, you know, most of the people we work with don't have that clear idea. They They do what they do. But they haven't fully formed it yet. And that's that's one of the, the things that I think is useful 
um, in in working with somebody, whether it's us or somebody else that that is outside of of your business, because they can ask you questions, you know, and and kind of help guide you through that. So, I, you know, I mentioned that I've now written five books. Um, four of them I actually wrote in the traditional sense. The fifth was almost like a gift. I had a podcast guest um, and they're in the business of creating a big book for you. You know, if you want the big book, that's going to go be the New York times bestseller. They're the ones to, to go get help with for that. Um, and if anybody's listening to this and, and is looking for that, let me know and I'll get you connected with them. But, um, but we did a joint webinar together last year, uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And they ended up taking the transcript of that because we talked about, um, you know, the value of a book. And we talked about how to use a podcast as a kind of a, a, a an evergreen way to continue to promote the book, kind of have this continuous book launch going on. Um, because a big problem most authors have is they launch the book and then they promote it for a couple of months and then it's forgotten. But yeah. um but they took the transcript of that and they created a whole book out of that. And, uh, and so I got to be author, you know, the fifth time around and I didn't type a word of it, cool. uh, which is the experience that our clients usually have, um, which was, was kind of neat. But, um, but what I've learned in, in creating all those books, John, is that the, the number one hurdle, like when I wrote unstoppable referrals, the breakthrough for me was in getting the ideas organized. I had all these ideas. I had the concept, but I could, I, I kept sort of starting and failing because I couldn't get it all organized in a way that made sense. And I saw a presentation and I, I, I wish I could find who this was. I don't remember who it was, um, but they, they broke down how to outline a book and actually how to get the outline done in a day. And so I took that and, um, and I told my wife, I told the kids that, you know, this Saturday, uh, you're not going to see me. I'm going in the office and I'm going to outline this book. And, um, and the way it broke down was actually really easy. It was, you know, break it down into like eight to 10, uh, break it down into like three sections. And then each section's got, you know, maybe three, you know, two to three pieces. So you ended up with eight to 10 chapters. Right. And you took each chapter and you broke that down into uh, three main points. And for each of the three main points, you wrote a question. You wrote, actually wrote three questions to ask yourself about that main point. And then the writing for me got really easy because I had all of that done and I did it in a day. And it was hard. Like by the end of that day, I was tired, mentally worn out. And I was like, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to get this done. And I got it done. And thank goodness that I did. So... I start the writing the following Monday. I said, I'm going to get up at, at, uh, you know, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. And I'm going to write, I'm going to write a thousand words a day. And I knew that doing that in about six weeks, I'd have the book done. Well, I remember when you were going through that period because you had formed the habit of writing every day, mm -hmm. whether you liked it or not. Yeah. <clears throat> now, most people aren't going to do that. Um, and I, and where I'm going with this is, that was the start of me simplifying how to write a book. We've further simplified it now. And, and I've learned that, that that's really my, my purpose in life is to simplify complex things. I've done it my entire career. Yep. Um, and, and so that was sort of version 1.0 or maybe the beta version of how to simplify it. 
but that was still too hard for most of the people that we worked with, you know? So I talk about an unstoppable referrals, the value of having a book, but we never could get anybody to go write the book because even that was still too much work. So then we broke it down and, and I, I got it down now, John, to basically a one page worksheet and I'll sit with a, a client and you and I didn't do this cause you, you know, you've already sort of thought through a lot of your ideas, but with most of them, we'll sit down and we, and on that one page worksheet, it's got the, the space for the introduction. And one of the things that I've learned from Dan Sullivan is there's a magic about putting a box on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. The brain will fill the box. That's right. It gives you a boundary so you don't have a blank page. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want you to know, I'm sitting here feeling cheated that I didn't get the whole ball of wax. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe on the next one. <laughs> Um, and you know, we start with the introduction and we've actually figured out the way to break the introduction down and, uh, and make it simple, you know? And so we know the introduction has got to cover four things. It's got to cover what, why is the topic important for the reader? Uh, what is the outcome that they're going to get after reading the book? Why is that outcome beneficial for them? And then what's at stake if they don't take any action on it? And what we found is that by having that every time, we don't have to sit and figure out what, what should we say. I can just ask the client those questions because they know. They can answer those questions. So then we got the introduction written. Great. Conclusion is very similar to that. Um, we've got four questions for that. But then in the main body, we just start walking them through. And we start the first three chapters are, well, what are the big problems that people are facing? So when you know, we looked at, at your new book. We started off with some of the big challenges that, that they had in the beginning of the book. Yep. And then as we get into the middle of it, that's where we put some of the meat, you know, of, of how you begin to think about these challenges. And then at the end, we take the last few chapters and, and that really forms the the beginning of showing them the solution. You never give, give them the whole solution and everybody gets kind of, you know, wrapped up in their underwear about giving away too much. And I don't think you can, but... You know, in an, in an 80 or 100 page book, we're not going to completely communicate your 40 plus years of experience so that somebody could go do it for themselves. And if they did, so what? They weren't your client anyway. But, you know, right. but we show them that beginning of the solution. And then we tell them what to do next, which is here's how to get in touch with me. And when I finally figured out that that was the format, now on a single page, I can walk somebody through that in 90 minutes. And we can take their expertise, we can organize it so it'll be effective and and get it on the page and they go, oh my gosh, I've been trying to do this for, you know, 20 years or 27 years like you had. They've always wanted to do it. And in a matter of an hour and a half, there it is. It's awesome. It's so much fun. I love doing it. I get so charged up at the end of those calls that, that, that it's just fun to do. Yeah, you're jacked up now talking about it. I am. Yeah. It's <clears throat> one of my favorite things. <laughs> I think that's fun though, because see, you, all of us have skills that other people look at. And I go back to Sullivan. He talks about unique ability. We take that for granted. We have skills that we, we know we're good at it, but maybe we don't realize we're as good as we are. But other people see us like, oh my God, you could do that in five minutes. And if you look around people you know, there are people who can do things that you find very difficult. They can do it quickly and easily, and they get animated like you just did, and but energized because of, of doing it. And you made a comment about your purpose is to simplify complex matters. 
I love sitting with people, having just like four interviews. People said, oh my God, what do I do? I got all these problems. Not a problem. You're in the right place. Just bring calmness and clarity and direction. They go, I feel good. Well, you should feel good. This is your money. You're, you're two months from retiring. You're going to retire at the end of February. So you should be feeling good about it and not sitting here wringing your hands like you were all anxious and terrified about these big decisions you're making. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're, they're not that terrifying once you have a plan. So let's just go through it step by step. Well, and I, I think, you know, for, for most of the entrepreneurs who are listening to this, for advisors listening to this, thinking, yeah, I really want to have a book. I, I, I really think that complexity piece of how do they take what they do with their clients and organize it and simplify it so that it can be understood. I think that is the major barrier to writing the book. I agree. And I'll just cut to the chase. I think that if you're spending the time and energy trying to figure out how to write a book, you're making a hell of a mistake. Better off to find somebody to do it for you, going back to who, not how. Mm -hmm. And whether it be Steve and his team or find somebody else. Can I write a book? Yes. There's no doubt in my mind with what I know, I can sit down and write a book. Why would I do that if I can sit with you, write you a check and say, here, take care of it. (laughs) Tell me when you need me. And then I'm out of the way. Because while you and your team were doing that, guess what I was doing? You were making money. I was going to make money to pay, raise the money to pay for the book. Yeah. You probably made, made more than enough. <clears throat> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I, but I haven't had the book yet. So so uh, we'll have to redo this later so I can find out if the book was any good or not. There you go. Once you put it together. There you go. Well, you've seen it. It you, looks You've good. seen it at this point. Well, I got it in my hand. It looks yeah. real good. Um. I have a blast doing it. We've done a bunch of them over the last year. And I think given what we're going through in the world right now, um, now is a, a a very opportune time to put this tool in your arsenal. Because I was talking with a client this morning before you and I got together. His his business model before was attending trade shows and conferences. And that, you're not doing that now. You know, he just told me the biggest one that in his industry – uh, for 2021 is now they've officially canceled it. This says we'll see in 2022. Um, and, and that's where he went out and, and met with people. And he said, you know, honestly, I probably wouldn't have gone this year anyway, because I'm not sure I feel comfortable going and doing that. But I think a lot of people are going to have that. So you've now got a way to, to get out in front of people. Well, let's, let's use that for, let's leverage it for like a springboard. Let's take a few minutes to talk about how to use a book. So you got a book. Mm-hmm. You got this nice, you hold in your hand. Wow, that, that's a book. You know, it feels good. It looks like a book. I can flip through the pages. That's nice. So you got a case of them. You got a thousand of them sitting in your garage. Big whoopee, whoopee. Costs you money sitting there and not being used. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how to use it. So how do you turn that book into a moneymaker? Well, so there are, there are really three ways easy ways to do it. The first is we always like to pair a book with a podcast because you can go interview people who have already rounded up your prospects and potential clients and and you can build a relationship with them and everybody wants to jump over that part, but relationships are where all the results come from. Yep. So you go make friends. They like you. You like them. You go, hey, I got this book and I think it'd be really big benefit for the folks in your network or your audience. I would love to give them a copy for free. Mm -hmm. 
What do you think? Would, now, they, would they appreciate that? Now, somebody's listening and saying, why would I give away my book? I've got a price tag of 20 bucks. Are you stupid, Steve? Why would I give away that book? <laughs> Golly. <laughs> Where do we begin? You do know there are people thinking that. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, <clears throat> let, let's get that right out of the way. Uh, you said it earlier. You, um, I don't ever expect to make any money on the book, but I have made seven figures plus from my books. Yes. Um, and and that's a, an important distinction. Um, you don't worry about selling them. I mean, you will sell some. Yes. And there's value in people buying them. Who I mean, there's a, a I learned this from Dan Kennedy uh, years ago. Uh, I, got, I got the opportunity to tag along with a client of mine who was in one of his high-level masterminds and um, for uh, four or five quarters would go up to to Cleveland and uh, sit in a hotel conference room with about 15 other entrepreneurs. And, and in one of the breaks, I, I was talking with him. He had just released a new book. And I said, well, why, Dan, why are you going back through? And, and uh, you know, what, what's the whole strategy with the book? You know, you, you preach this direct response stuff. And he said, you know, everything isn't direct response. I mean, direct response is great, but you can't measure everything. And there's a real value to discovery. So the guy that, you know, the, the business owner that, that stumbles upon my book because they happen to be poking around looking for something on that topic on Amazon and, or at the bookstore, the if, bookstore. If, you, if you get it in the bookstore. And most people aren't at this stage. The bookstore is not the place where folks are going to find you, but it'll be on Amazon and the other online booksellers. And when they discover you there, that's really powerful because now the momentum is there coming to you all the way. Uh, now, you don't want to just sit around and rely on that by itself, but there's a great deal of power in that. And you know, his comment was, most of my whale clients come that way, even with all the direct response that he did. And he did this, you know, does more of that probably than anybody else. Um, but with all of the direct response he did, his whale clients came through primarily through discovery. And I, that to me was instructive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so it gives you the opportunity to be discovered. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the first, I'm going to get you back on track. Yeah. First, the podcast. So you go find someone who has access to the audience that you want to visit. With yeah. And, and, and then you do an interview and you give everybody a copy of the book. Well, we, we do an interview just to, so everybody goes, well, why would they do that? Why would that seems like it's benefits you, not them. And, um, okay. Fair question. Um, most people are going out right now trying to network. Can, can I give you my take on that before you go there? Sure. See, I, I, I can see a huge benefit in that because if I can give you access to my clientele, my audience, and I know you now trust you and you're bringing value, then not only did I help you, I helped them because I got information in front of them they would not have gotten without me allowing access by doing the podcast or ever, whatever medium we use. Now, if I don't have confidence in you and don't trust you, then you're not going to get within 10 feet of my audience. But if I am bringing value to the table, whether I make a dollar or not, clients appreciate that. Well, you, you said a, a lot in, in a short time. So the first kind of way that you you preface that is if I, if I like you, I trust you, I believe that you're going to bring value. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, how do you get to that point? We have to have a relationship. Correct. And that's really where the podcast comes in. 
I mean, the that we do it because there's a great strategic byproduct of that. We create great content and it's an easy ask. So you can go to a, a business owner and say, you know, um, I'd love to interview you and talk about all the great things you're doing in the world and share it with everybody that I know. And so really what you're doing is immediately you're saying you're smart. I admire what you're doing. You're all of that is, is edifying them and you're giving them the, the spotlight on the stage that you've created, namely your podcast. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and in doing that, it's a, it is a ridiculously powerful way to start a relationship. Now, the way most people start their relationships when they're trying to connect with strategic partners like that is they say, Hey, why don't we have lunch? You know, let's, let's go have coffee. And it, a, it takes forever to get to that point because you haven't really given them any value. Um, and you haven't given them an opportunity to be the star yet, you know, and you're both sort of jockeying, looking for what you can get out of it. And if you say, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give first. I've built this stage. And not only have I built this stage, I've gathered up an audience for a show. It doesn't have to be a big audience. Right. It can be 50 people. But I've gathered up an audience for a show, and they would love to see somebody perform just like you. Right. Come to my stage. Right. Let me highlight you. And they go, oh, wow, that's amazing. All right. So now when you go back and say, man, I learned so much about what you do now, and it gives me such a, a better understanding. Do you work with people who ever run into this particular problem? Well, yeah, of course I do, because you've strategically picked who that person is. Of course they do, right? Because um, we're not doing this in a vacuum. We're not just having anybody on. Then you can go to them and say, well, you know, I, I wrote a book that might be really helpful for them. And I, I feel indebted to you because you've come and, and shared your expertise and your time with my audience. I would love, or with my network, I, I would love to return the favor. I, you know, how could we figure out, let's brainstorm a way where we could give this book to all these people and really make you look like a hero. Yep. And... For all of the reasons that you said before, John, where because you didn't use this word, but really what you're describing is that you're you're sort of in that gatekeeper or toll booth position. I thought about sort of say uh, gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're the one that's sort of bringing and filtering this resource, you know, for your network. Yes. You get a lot of social capital out of bringing valuable stuff. <laughs> I had a guy send me a, a good. A guy who's become a good friend, um, he's constantly texting me uh, a podcast to listen to that he thinks is good. And I and I appreciate it, right? Now, he's just doing that to stay top of mind and because we like each other and we kind of know what we're both interested in. But this is a, a higher level, more strategic way to do this. So that's the first way that we do it. I was in a long drawn out, but I think a lot of people go, well, how does all that work? But you can't really effectively do that if you don't have the book as the widget to give away because you can give somebody a book. And even if it, it, it doesn't land, you know, they're like, I'm not really interested in that. They're not going to be aggravated at the person who gave it to them. They're going to be grateful. Oh, thanks for thinking of me. Not really a fit, but thanks for thinking of me. And that's the worst thing that could happen. Right, okay. so, so from a selfish standpoint, what's number two? All right. So <laughs> the second easy. Yeah. We, the, the, the next two are, are quicker. I, let me just tell you about this. I happen to have in my hand, anytime we're together, I have my leather journal and I write stuff down. And yesterday for a few minutes, I thought I'd lost my journal. Remember that? I do. When we were talking and I found my precious journal because 
these conversations that we have while we're helping other people also help me so I can go do some creative thinking and work and oh, like, help, I, help a lot of people and get paid. I already know you're going to put some of the stuff that we're talking about into, into you. So the second way that we use the book is <laughs> um, in, uh, in advertising. And so you might do it in online advertising. We've experimented with that. Um, depending on the market, it can work really well. You might do it with offline advertising. So, John, you may... I've done that many times yeah. with postcards and small little ads on the newspaper. Yeah. It's three by three sticky note size. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, uh, WFSU TV. Yeah. And, and it brings it bring, excuse me, brings people to you. And, and it's easy to say, I'm offering this book for free. I normally sell it for... You know what? What did we price this book at for you? Nine ninety nine, I think. Um, or no, or was it nineteen ninety nine? Yeah, nineteen ninety nine. And uh, you know, we normally sell this for nineteen dollars and ninety five cents. You can go to Amazon and buy it for nineteen dollars and ninety five cents today if you'd like. But I'd like to give it to you for free. And people go, oh wow, I can get a book. Books are really valuable. You know, we we look at books as being. Um, a lot of value for the money because you get a lot of wisdom in a small package for 20 bucks or less typically. And so by offering it for free in your advertising, you get a lot of people coming to you and you know some things about them right away. You know, hey, they're interested in this topic. That means they're probably a good prospect for me. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the other ways that we use it to, to bring people in. Um, and, um, and the third way that I always advise our clients to use is what I call the book a day habit. You've got your book, you've got the, you know, however many copies you've got, you know, in the garage. And um, I always tell our clients, you want to have some note cards. And we, when we design a book for one of our clients, we always design it in a specific size, five and a half inches by eight and a half inches. Mm -hmm. Because as I learned from you, actually, that perfectly fits in a six by nine envelope. It's very nice, isn't it? Nice, compact. Exactly. And you... Take your target 100 list, you know, your, your top prospects, and you write a little handwritten note, mm-hmm. and you slide that in with a book. That's better than a multivitamin, huh? It one is. One a day. Yeah. One a day. <laughs> and you send that out. And if you do that over the course of the year, don't and skip the weekends, right? So if you do it over the course of the year, what are there, 210 working days in a year typically, um, you're going to put your book in the hand of 200 people. And if your business doesn't dramatically grow from that, you're doing something really wrong. Um, because it will, and you, you get into that book of the book of day habit. Now to do that, you got to think ahead a little bit, you know, so I always make sure like I got a box of envelopes, you know, sitting here. I like to make sure I have a list with names and addresses and, um, you know, and I got a, a supply of books and note cards and I try and have all that stuff at hand stamps. You got to think through all that stuff or have somebody on your team do it where you're just writing the notes. But I, I really recommend you write the note. Because that'll have a huge impact. Absolutely. So, again, I'm hearing this person saying, wait a minute, Steve. God, man, I got I to gotta pay to get a book done. I got to buy my books. Now you're telling me I got to mail the books. So I got to take the time, handwrite a note, handwrite the, uh, the envelope. I got to put a book in there. And I'm seeing $20 go out the door. Plus, it cost me five or six bucks maybe to mail it. I just I just spent a whole bunch of money with no promise of a return. So you feel like you shouldn't do that? Well, uh, that's a lot of money going out the door. Maybe you shouldn't do it. I love your answer. That's the way that <laughs> don't do it then, right? But, but if you did do it, 
You send out 100. Can you honestly sit there and believe that out of 100 books, let's say, let's just say you did it for a few weeks and you mailed out 20 books, four weeks, okay, one month, you sent out 20 books. Can you honestly sit there and think that not one person out of the 20 is going to call you with either appreciation or want to do business with you or give you a referral? It's impossible not to get something good out of it. Well, and and if you take it one step further and and do the other thing that we recommend, which is to have either somebody on your team or do it yourself, uh, place a a follow-up call, you know, so you know it's going to take two, three, four days for the book to get delivered. So a day or two after it should have arrived, put in a phone call. Hey, John, this is Steve. A couple days ago, we mailed you a book. I just want to see if you got it. Has it arrived? And it, it either will have arrived or not. Either way, it gives you the opportunity to have a conversation, not a sales conversation at that stage, although they may ask for one. And oftentimes that happens. Um, you know, but um, it's very easy at that point to say, uh, you know, if they got the book, oh, hey, have you had a chance to, to crack it open yet? They're always going to say no. I, I think I told you about this uh, one day over lunch. I got six referrals from one guy one day. I called all six personally. Got the cell numbers, called everyone. Steve, I would love to send you a copy of my book and my information package. Our good friend Michael suggested that you might like to know more about what I do. All six said, yes, I'd love to get it. Then ask for an appointment. After you get the book, we'll talk, if I can be of service. We mailed them. I waited 10 days, had an audio call of the six, three booked appointments. Three said, I can't do it now, but I definitely want to meet with John. Please put me on whatever follow-up list you have, and we'll talk. Now, if none of them gave me an appointment, I don't really care yet because they're not ready to do what I know they'll have to do in the future. They all have a chunk of money in their retirement accounts they've got to do something with. So now that I have their address, their phone number, and their emails, guess what? They've been receiving everything about our upcoming webinars on uh, Medicare. Mm -hmm. So they're already in the system. And it's just a matter of time when they will become clients. So it's planting the seeds. It's, and, and like you said before, I don't think there's anyone else in town who took the time to send them a copy of their book. No. And if it's on their desk at work, other people have seen it. Mm-hmm. So that's three. You got a fourth one? Any other ideas? On oh, we got lots of other ideas. I mean, there's a t- 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 there are so many things that you can do with it. Uh, but those are really the big three. Um, when, when, you know, people were meeting... Um, on a regular basis, I mean, it's very easy to leverage your book into speaking opportunities, whether local, regional, I, national. I was going to say, can I share a couple that worked for me? Yeah. Back in 2009, we had a book signing event, and I uh, gave the proceeds to United Way. And the president of United Way introduced me. And so they brought people in. I brought people in. The University Club said, we will uh, provide the room, we'll just charge you for the food. So they sponsored it. So you can do your own small version of a book signing. So now you're the celebrity to that small group that's there. You know, it's pretty cool stuff. 
Well, and, and you've used it as a way to um, <laughs> get all kinds of social proof. Yes. Um, and, and really associate yourself with celebrities in a fun way. Um, and you've strategically used that in your office. And I think we had it on a prior podcast. I think we talked about sales choreography. Yes. And we'll link that up in, in uh, the show notes for this, where we talked about what you do in your office and the experience people have coming from the front door and all the way in. And then they get in your office and they see all these things. One of the things, well, not one of the things, several of the things that you would see if you came and met with John, is you would see pictures of him holding his book with other celebrities. So he's holding it with uh, Mike, uh, not Mike Tyson, uh, George Foreman, the boxer, because George has written a book. Mm-hmm. And you were at an event where George was speaking and you got George aside and said, hey, I have a copy of my book here. I would love to take a picture of you with you holding my book and I'm holding your book. I got one with uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki, which in your world is a big deal because yeah. he's sort of a financial Robert, expert. Robert Cialdini. Yep. Uh, you've got David Walker. David Walker. Who is, tell everybody who that is because it's significant Walker's in your industry. Former controller of the currency. For the United States. United States of America. Uh, big time speaker about how you better change the economy, how we're doing things. Well, well respected mm-hmm. in a lot of circles. Uh, now I'm going blank. You put me on the spot. A couple more trying to visualize them. I believe you but, got Dan Kennedy. Oh, yes. Which yeah. isn't so significant to your market, mm-hmm. but um, that's right. was nice. Uh, Dan and, and Bill Glazer. Uh, who else? There's a couple more that I don't use because of the marketing side. Right. But, but, I mean, the point is, I mean, these are little subtle things. Actually, this, John, this leads us perfectly into the cliffhanger for this episode because we've gone almost an hour now. Um, and that's gone quickly. I know. Um, and so, in the next episode, um, we're going to cover some out of the box marketing tactics. And, um, and all of the things that, that we just described, the book is the sort of the perfect widget to make it happen. You always have to have two or three copies of your book with you. Oh, heck yeah. So that when you go somewhere, you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anytime I would fly, I'd always have a copy. And I like to fly first class. And you never know who you're going to sit next to. I screwed up on that one because Kiyosaki is holding my book, but I didn't have his book. And I just bought his newest book two days earlier. It was back in March. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, that's not true. It was uh, uh, June of 2019. But he he played along. He said, "Let me hold your book." He asked me, "Let me hold it." So the picture is in the airplane. Yeah, in the first class. I know. <laughs> and you just never know. Um, you know, so it it gives you this really great tool, and I don't think most people recognize the value in it and all the different things that you can do. So we'll talk about that and, and some other things, not, not just related to books in the next episode um, about uh, out of the box marketing. But I think let's put a wrap on this one, John. Um, and for anybody listening, if you've listened to this and you go, God, I, I'm, this is the year I'm going to get the book done. Um, if you want help, um, we'd love to help you. Um, and uh, you know, if you, if you'd like to talk about how our team might be able to do that, we got a couple of different plans you know, depending on where you are in business and what your budget level is, we can do either do the whole thing for you, which is what I recommend for most people, or we have a guided plan where um, we can actually sort of help you with the strategy of it. And you can use all of our uh, tools and templates that will shortcut the process. Um, you know, so wherever you are, we've got an opportunity for you. But uh, John, this has been fun. Thanks for uh, 
talking about books with me today. And I enjoy it. Always gets me excited. I love it. I love it. Bye, guys.